Go ahead and have a seat. Most of you guessed that already. There is this uh, well, well-worn uh, story plot that is the uh, the theme or the summary of countless uh, children's books and and films and and quite a few uh, films for for adults as well. And it goes something like this: Dream it, and you become it. You could summarize it that way. And so you could probably imagine some of those those movies or stories. And there's this great a condensed example of a story like this um, that I found in this very old Stories to Tell Children books. And I'm going to read you this story in its entirety. Um, and it's called The Cock-A-Doodle-Doo. Maybe you're familiar with it. A very little boy made this story up, quote-unquote, out of his head and told it to his papa. And it goes like this. Once upon a time, there was a little boy, and he wanted to be a cock-a-doodle-doo. And so he was a cock-a-doodle-doo. And he wanted to fly up into the sky, so he did fly up into the sky. And he wanted to get wings and a tail, so he did get some wings and a tail. So that's the cock-a-doodle-doo. And the summary of that story is you, you dream it and uh, you, you become it. Well, we know in reality that uh, that storyline doesn't always pan out quite like that. Um, that uh, is sometimes referred to as a pipe dream. But, uh, but the truth is the Bible does describe this uh, phenomenon where the things that we fill our minds with, the things that we ponder, the things we dream, you might say, actually do shape our souls. This is our big idea. If you're following along in the notes today is this, your soul is shaped by the stories you tell (laughs) the way you reflect on things, the way you, the lens by which you view the things that are going on in your life. Your soul is shaped by the stories that you tell. So the way you reflect on 2020, uh, will help shape the way, uh, you are in 2021. Your soul is shaped by the stories you tell. Just a, a few scripture passages, Romans 12, the first couple of verses, teach us that our lives are actually changed or transformed by renewing our minds, by renewing the way we think about things, the way we think about God and life and ourselves. Philippians 4, 8 teaches us that a life of, of peace and of joy results from filling our minds with certain kinds of thoughts. Colossians 3, 2 Uh, describes this key to the spiritual life is setting your mind on things above so over and over it's this this theme of the the things that um, we hold in our minds uh, have an effect on the shape of the shaping of our souls so i just ask what what fills your mind? <laughs> what things uh, just bubble out? Which, what things uh, keep you awake at night? You know, what is your head full of? And, and here's a, a little test for you. When you do emerge from your cave um, and uh, engage with people, whether it's going to the grocery store or here at church or you call somebody on the phone, uh, what do you find yourself talking about? What conversations do you jump into? What, what topics uh, fill your mind and your stories? Another way to say it is, 
Uh, if somebody listened in on all the stories that you tell, the way you describe life and the events of this last year, um, what movie title would be a fitting title for uh, the stories you tell? How about, uh, is it Outbreak? Is it Conspiracy Theory? Is it Home Alone or Home Alone 2 or 3 or 4 or however many there are? Is it Series of Unfortunate Events? Maybe for some it's Anger Management or Civil War. Uh, do any of these describe the, the kinds of stories that you tell? Or is it a God story? Do you talk about who God is and what he's done? Because our, our internal, you know, our hearts, our souls, the real you inside is shaped by the stories you tell. And so just a preview of, of this morning is that you, you can actually affect the kind of person you'll be in this next year by changing the way that you think about God and the way that you think about yourself. We'll be primarily in two parts of the Bible, Psalm 63, Psalm 63 and Philippians 3. If you have a, a Bible or a device, you can turn there and we'll start with Psalm 63. Because most of us long for conditions around us to be different in, uh, in 2021. Anyone else like that? We, we long for conditions or how to change in, in this following year. Um, these are things that we can't really do anything about. But the real question is, do we long for conditions of our soul to change? And the beautiful thing is, this is something we could do something about. Uh, and it's far more profound. So if you'd love for conditions internally to change in the next year, first of all, and this is in your notes, is consider what God has done and remember it. Consider what God has done and remember it. Uh, ponder it, reflect on it, and don't lose sight of the way that God has been at work. So Psalm 63, uh, this is one of the Psalms where we get just a little glimpse of the, um, of the circumstances that were going on when this song of worship was written. And the conditions are that David was in this difficult time out in the wilderness, uh, perhaps when he was running from Saul or maybe later when he was running from from Absalom, but in any case, he was in isolation. <laughs> Sound familiar? Uh, he was in danger, and he was unable to go to uh, the place of worship, the the tabernacle. He was separated from the, the Ark of the Covenant and the place of worship. So here it goes. Psalm sixty-three says, "A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah." Verse one: O God, you are my God, and earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So interesting that, you know, David was in a tough place. And uh, and I'm sure had uh, things on his mind about his current circumstances. And he flipped those around into, um, into spiritual longings. See, he was... Uh, in a place where he was weary, he was thirsty and alone, and he reflected on how he was um, he was weary in his soul, and he was thirsty for God, and he was longing for companionship with God. He kind of flipped it around. We long for many things, but what we really need is is God. <laughs> we we need to cultivate a longing for God. And I've shared this before, but uh, this little phrase stuck out from years ago. Somebody said this little comment is this. You have about as much God in your life as you want. You have about as much of God in your life as you want. In other words, if you if you pursue Him, if you seek Him, if you want Him, uh, He will uh, He will be found. You'll have more of Him in your life. 
Okay, verse 2 and 3. David says, So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So out in the wilderness, out in isolation, far from the sanctuary, he dreams about, you could say he dreams about church. He dreams about worship, about being in the sanctuary. Uh, And he dreams about God. Um, This is the very essential, you know, if you want to just boil down the things about God that we should be reflecting on, he talks about them both here, and that is power and glory and steadfast love. So God is just powerful he's glorious he's so significant mighty you blow your mind and also his steadfast love that just keeps going on and on for you so if you have the continual love of the most significant being in the entire universe um it's like well, what else do you need <laughs> you you have something very very profound verse four we're just kind of walk through the psalm Verse four, he says, so I will bless you as long as I live and in your name, I will lift up my hands. It's this conscious decision to just keep on worshiping, keep on going back and back again to what God is like, what he's done, who he is, and just keep worshiping. Uh, There's this acronym, which I've also shared before, called HALT B, H-A-L-T-B, that's that describes uh, the times that we are most susceptible to what Hebrews calls our besetting sin. You know, those things that tend to snag us and trap us. Uh, those times are when we are hungry, <laughs> angry, lonely, tired, bored. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired, bored. Are, are times we tend to be especially susceptible to, you know, getting, getting stuck in, in sin, getting stuck in things that are, that are uh, hazardous for us. Um, David... Uh, was in a perfect place to be hungry, angry, lonely, tired, bored, out in the wilderness, you know, wrongfully hunted, uh, you know, alone. And there's probably some some boredom involved out there. You know, he didn't have, you know, a smartphone with him or whatever. He's just stuck there in the wilderness. And what he chose to do instead of giving in to the impulses or giving in to just despair or whatever it might be is he chose to just keep worshiping. To fill his mind with thoughts about God. And so these next two verses, five and six, I think are the key to this whole thing here. Kind of the, the central idea is this. Which happens to be the same theme as the Psalm uh, 77 that, that Heather read earlier. Verse five, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you on my bed and I meditate on you in the watches of the night. So I don't know if you've been in a time of scarcity <laughs> in danger in isolation, uncertainty that this is the context of this Psalm scarcity, danger, isolation, uncertainty. And yet David says his soul is just so satisfied. Like he just finished Christmas dinner. They want to have a, Special Christmas dinner? Yep, I did too. And round that out with uh, pecan pie with chocolate chips in it and uh, what some might call a ridiculous amount of whipped cream on top. And after eating that, it's like you can hold kind of any food in front of me and, and I can pass it up because I am fully satisfied. So 
David, in his midst of, you know, life is tough, life is scarce, life is uncertain, but in his soul, he's fully satisfied. He, because he's satisfied with God. And the key to all this is, he says, he remembers God, he meditates on God, even even in, in bed at night, just lying there, he's, he's thinking about God, what, what God's like, what God's done. This is... Uh, one of the key habits that cultivate thriving in our relationship with God um, alongside uh, the Bible and prayer is, is worship. And one way I like to just describe worship is um, is reflecting on and affirming uh, the worthiness of God. That's what we do when we sing worship songs. Um, well, that's what we're supposed to do when we sing worship songs is we reflect on the worthiness of God and then we express that idea and affirm it and sing it back to it and forth to each other. But of course, we can do this um, without singing and we can do it wherever we are. Uh, you could worship next door in what we sometimes call the sanctuary, um, which is a little bit of a misnomer. Uh, you can do that here on the patio. You could do it uh, in isolation. You could do it in the in the desert uh, wilderness. You can worship. And when the psalmist slows down to worship, he concludes this in verse 7, is that uh, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. When, when we take time to pause and reflect on what God's like and what he's done, we, um, we should conclude with David that, oh, yes, now that I think about it, now that I look back, God has been there for me. God's been my help. He's been here uh, all along. With me, I just uh, forgot maybe to take note of that along the way. Well, the context of this psalm is that David's being chased by by people who are out to get him, his, his adversaries, and the rest of the psalm um, expresses David's trust that that God will take care of those people in, in God's way, and he kind of leaves them in in God's hand there. Um, but here is kind of a summary of the psalm. If I could just put it back together for us, after taking it apart, is that in a time of scarcity. Uh, some of you experienced scarcity this year, uh, loss of income, etc. In a time of danger, danger of getting sick, among other things. In a time of isolation, um, in all these times, David finds joy, comfort, and satisfaction, and peace. And how does he do it? He does it by considering what God has done and remembers it. Just fills his mind with what God has done. So that's what, what we must do. So I, I was thinking about all these things because of this, um, you know, being the end of the year, what a bizarre and really difficult year in some ways, and uh, and just getting ready to launch into a new one and expectations and questions about what that would be like. And I just found this really relevant because David's experience is has a lot of parallels to things that we've experienced. And the solution is to fill our minds with things that are true about God. Um, and the health of our soul going forward depends on it. So a couple of questions here is uh, what exactly about God do we fill our minds with and how exactly do we do that? And I'd like to just talk about that for a minute. So what are we supposed to remember about God? What kinds of things was David thinking about under you know the desert sky there? It turns out that remembering what God's done is like a major theme of the Psalms. You read through the Psalms and again and again, um, it just recounts what what God has done in all different uh, ways and shapes. Um, and there's ways that move from really broad to really narrow and specific. Um, 
and I'd like to just take you for take you through those from from general to specific. What has God done? Uh, number one, what was God doing before time? <laughs> this is really broad. Uh, God was loving perfectly. He was displaying his glory perfectly. He is perfectly righteous, perfectly just and true and perfect in every way. That's just what God has always been doing from eternity past. And so another way you could say what was God doing from eternity is saying just what is God like? You know, what's his character? Um, that That's a key part of worship is just going through in our minds. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. God is all these things that the Bible tells us about. Uh, narrowing a little bit is... Uh, what has God done toward all creation? What, what has God done toward humankind? Well, the list is long and includes things like he, he made us. <laughs> uh, he put the stamp of his precious image on us. Um, he gives us both rain and sunshine. Uh, he provides for us. He painted uh, this beautiful landscape of a world for us to enjoy. He puts before us all kinds of wholesome pleasures. Uh, he, he offered his son to to us and on and on and on. Uh, God's just been been kind to humans. <laughs> and there more, what has he done toward his children in particular? If you're a child of God through faith, he's he's redeemed you. He's 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 bought you out of uh, out of slavery at a at a great price to himself. Um, he's forgiven you. He's he's working hard on an eternal home for you right now. He's made a, a covenant of love with you. And on and on and on. But I don't think we should stop with these things that are kind of uh, common among us. Um, the psalmist also gets real um, specific and recounts what God has done for him in particular. And, uh, and we need to go there. As we look at this past year, what, what has God done in your own life? When has God been especially a present toward you? How has he provided for you? Maybe he's a... Uh, Maybe he's done some sanctifying correction in your life. Um, maybe he's, uh, he's just opened your eyes to new things. You felt his love in a special way. Um, on and on. If we open our eyes, we can see what God has done toward us specifically. When have you noticed God at work in your life in this past year? These are the stories that we need to tell. Last week, uh, a friend stopped by and uh kind of spread some Christmas cheer. And she has had um, an extremely difficult uh, couple of months. And she could have talked all about that. And what she wanted to relay, what she wanted to talk about, is all the ways that God was at work in the circumstances she was in. She wanted to talk about God's uh, orchestrating events and God's blessings and God's comfort and God's love and God's provision. And that's the discipline that we need to um, to adopt. Um, Life's always going to be, you know, up and down and weird and hard sometimes, exciting other times. But uh, to discipline ourselves to think about and talk about uh, God's stories. What has God done? So we fill our minds with, you know, what God's done for everybody at all time, what God's done for his children, what God's done for you in particular. Um, that, that's kind of the what. And the Psalms also gives us some some tips on on the how and i'll just mention a couple here there's tens more to mine in the psalms um something real practical psalm 59 16 talks about uh singing of god's love and strength again love and power in in the morning so 
that's probably, you know, before you check the news, before you respond to emails, before you check your Instagram or whatever you check, um, check in with God and consider what he has done, who he is. Worship before you just jump into the other things. Psalm 59, 16. Uh, Also, uh, Psalm 6 describes this rehearsing of uh, talking about what God has done. Uh, Psalm 9, verse 1, it talks about uh, saying these things to yourself, <laughs> you know, reminding yourself of these things about God. Uh, Psalm seventy-seven twenty tells us to uh, talk to the next generation about these things. You know, tell your kids, your grandkids, you know, friends, family. Psalm 66 talks about telling every stranger on the planet, calling them to come and see what God has done. Hey, everybody. This is what God's like. This is what God has done. So lead lead with God's stories. Be eager to talk about what God has done in your life. And when we make it a habit to consider these things and remember it, it, it begins to shape uh, our souls, our, our insides, what we are really like deep down. And we begin to um, we begin to see in our life more of things like like love. We have more of a capacity to respond in loving ways. We have more of Christ's love for people. We see things like like joy. There's, you know, le- less moping around and griping and more um, more joy. Things like like peace. Not all, you know, with anxiety all the time, but but ah, God's God's in charge. It's a, it's okay. Things like like patience. Does anybody else need, you know, patience with Things going on. You kind of see where this list is going. You recognize this anywhere? Galatians 5. Uh, we start to find more kindness coming out of us instead of unkindness. More goodness, I, I guess, as opposed to badness. More faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We start to see these fruit uh, come up in our lives when we um, make it a habit to continually put our minds back on just how amazing God is. So this begins to shape our souls um, to consider what God has done, and don't forget it. Well, more briefly, I'd like to talk about this this other side, and that is uh, a habit that I think is important, especially at a time, you know, end of year and looking back, is it's important as we think about shaping our souls is to, Take time to consider what what we've done. <laughs> a little introspection. What's this look like? But here's the thing: uh, the Bible invites us to consider what we've done and then forget it. <laughs> consider what we've done and forget it. And this is where Philippians three comes into play. Um, in Philippians three, Paul is expressing this intense desire for this ever deeper relationship with Jesus. Man, this is what I really want. I just want to be closer with Him, be more aligned with Him. Um, he's He's my master and he loves me, and I just want to be consumed with that thought. And he takes inventory of his prior spiritual successes and failures. And then he concludes with this thought in Romans, I mean, in Philippians 3, 12 to 13. He says, not, not that I've already obtained this. You know, he, he hasn't reached this spiritual perfection. It's not there yet. Not that I've already attained this or am perfect, but, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind 
and straining forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting what's behind, straining toward what lies ahead. Now, interesting in this chapter, um, Paul uses several similar words um, that translate like consider and reckon and count um, that are ways to uh, describe that process of, of kind of evaluating, looking back, remembering, thinking through, reflecting on, but then letting that go. Pause to consider what took place in your soul this last year. <laughs> what, what was it like? Were there, was it a year of failures where you kind of gave into anxieties, gave into lovelessness, maybe you neglected spiritual things, or succumbed to you know sinful indulgence, or anger got the best of you? At least it's good to just admit that that took place. Or maybe it's the spiritual successes where yeah, you remained faithful by God's grace. You seized opportunities that were before you. you you resisted those temptations as tempting as they were and you just drew close to god this year so it's important to acknowledge take inventory consider and then forget what lies behind and strain toward what lies ahead so god did not come down and give us a whip with a long handle so we could whoosh, you know keep whipping ourselves like oh i blew it again oh this year's and um and just wallow in that and stay there. He also did not come down and give us a package of gold stars and trophies to say, you know, hey, spread these all around to remind yourself of, you know, how awesome you are. Uh, he didn't do that either. He came down and he gave us uh, his son to have a relationship with. And as as the, the spotlight comes off of us, it comes on to Jesus and who he is, which really is the most important thing to pursue in this next year is that closeness with Jesus. Okay, r- recap. At the end of the year, take time to look back. Consider what God has done. Remember that. Re- talk about it. Reflect on it. Um, have that uh, be uh, you know the topic that's just on the front of your mind. Also, consider what you've done, your track record this last year, and then just forget it. <laughs> Move on to the next year. So, Again, I just want you to consider what kind of stories you've been telling, you know, what kind of conversations just kind of bubble out of you, what kind of things you think about at night. And here's our final challenge is tell a better story. <laughs> we talk about all kinds of things, but we need to tell a better story, tell a God story about what he's like and what he has done. So as the team comes back up, uh, let, let me pray for us along those lines. God in heaven, if we pause to think about it, there's so much we could say about you. You are just so worthy. You love us so well, so fully, with such sacrifice, with such constancy. You forgive us so deeply beyond what's imaginable or or reasonable. You're so full of power and might and glory. You are are weighty in your significance um, beyond imagination. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just fill our minds with these things and that that would, would stabilize us from, from the instability that, uh, that encircles us. And Lord, I pray that if anyone's here this morning and they're just kind of floundering in their, in their faith or their walk with you and life just seems overwhelming, I pray that they would be um, comforted by, by your comfort and the, the thought that you are powerful and you are loving and you are here with us. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.